edition of the Second and Goal Fantasy Podcast. I'm Calvin, your host, here with your co-host, Chris, the fantasy expert. And in today's show, we will be previewing the AFC East and the AFC North for fantasy in 2020. Chris and I did our fantasy draft yesterday. Uh, We apologize. This episode is being released Monday evening. We're recording this Monday afternoon. We apologize for it releasing late, but we couldn't really get together to do it on Sunday. So it's going to be releasing on Monday evening, and you'll see it right then, of course. And we'll be previewing in this show the AFC East and the AFC North for fantasy in 2020, like we talked about. And one of the reasons we couldn't do the show on Sunday was because we had our fantasy football draft yesterday. So uh, Chris and I, yeah, uh, as, as, as I said, Chris and I drafted yesterday. We're in a 12-team half PPR league. And, uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun. And I think I'm really happy with how my team turned out, made a couple of trades after the draft, and I'm really excited for the year. And I'm sure you are too, Chris. Yeah, definitely. I'm really happy with how my draft turned out. I was able to get some guys that I liked. I wasn't too happy with my pick. I got the ninth pick, which is actually one of my least favorite spots to draft from. But it ended up working out. I made one trade after the draft ended and acquired a little bit of a better RB. So that was good for my team. And yeah, I'm all set, I think, to make a good run at the championship. Yeah, so, uh, Chris, we could just – actually, no. I think what I did was uh, – do you want to read off, like, our – we could read off our teams if you want. Sure. Okay, yeah, I think what I did was I drafted solid. Then I think I made a couple of trades and really traded away all my depth, especially at wide receiver. I don't really have much depth at all right now. My quarterbacks are Ryan Tannehill and Cam Newton. My running backs, and this is why – see, this is how, what I got out of the trades. Kenyon Drake, Ezekiel Elliott, and Miles Sanders. <laughs> Three of my top ten running backs. I'm so excited for that this year. Wide receivers, I've got Cooper Cup and Keenan Allen. Tight ends, I've got – oh, and uh, Michael Pittman on my bench. Uh, he's my wide receiver three. That's also a result of trading away, guys. I also have Adrian Peterson at running back. Tight end, I've got Mike Gesicki and Blake Jarwin. Then I've got three empty bench slots because waivers uh, – come till Tuesday waivers come through on Tuesday. So I've got some guys I'm picking up, but I've got three empty bench slots right now. And uh, so Chris, you can, what's your, wait, have you, have you traded it all yet? Or is it the same team that you had after the draft? I made one trade. Oh, okay. But uh, my team is, I'm really weak at QB, but everywhere else. And as far as depth, I'm really strong. I've got quarterback, Daniel Jones, running backs are Aaron Jones and Austin Eckler. Then at the wide receiver position, I have Devontae Adams. And then I have Jarvis Landry and Devontae Parker, who I think I'm going to be taking on a a matchup-based situation, most likely Devontae Parker if they have similar matchups. But uh, if Jarvis Landry has a good matchup, I'm definitely going to throw him in the lineup. So those are my wide receiver two and three. I've got Hayden Hurst at the tight end spot. Great potential. Another guy that's bursting with potential, Jonathan Taylor, Indiana rookie running back. (laughs) Love that. Have him at my flex. He's got a great week one matchup against the Jaguars. Uh, Defense is the Seahawks. I'm really looking to just stream defenses this year. And then I was able to get a good kicker in Justin Tucker, which I'm very happy about. On the bench, I already mentioned Devontae Parker. I've also got Jordan Howard, Darius Slayton. Guys, if you notice, I have two of my three Ds. I have Devontae Parker and I have Darius Slayton. Held true to my word. Held true to my word. Oh, wait, I have three Ds. Don't worry, guys. Devontae Adams, Darius Slayton. Okay, but that's uh, not your D, though. That's not your true D. I'm I'm just kidding, but... uh. I tried to get DJ Moore, but the value wasn't good enough to get him. And then by the time I came back around, he was gone. But uh, I managed to get two. I've got Marlon Mack, Jack Doyle, Alan Lazard, and AJ Dillon. But I think that I'm picking Teddy Bridgewater up off the waivers. So that will be changed. All right. So if I may ask, why are you starting Jarvis Landry over Devontae Parker? Uh, week one matchup, I like. Oh, okay. Or actually, oh, wait, actually. No, I might be changing that, but I'm actually not sure because right now Jarvis Landry is playing Baltimore, who's having a lot of issues with their secondary kind of at the moment. Yeah. With Earl Thomas going, whereas Devontae Parker is playing uh, the Patriots, where I assume he will be guarded by Stephon Gilmore. So that worries me a little. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. I think, um, yeah, so that was – if you want to email us about who you think got a better team, I think it's – Chris undoubtedly has the better depth. It's that's pretty clear at this point, but you can email us at secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com. If you want to talk to us, if you want to yell at us about our teams, then you can do so because we can take it. We're fantasy experts. So we'll get Mm -hmm. started and we're going to talk about the AFC East and North today. And Chris is going to be here for the AFC East, but because he was pretty busy today, he's got his first day of school. And uh, I 
my school starts a couple weeks later, but he has his first day of school today. It just basically just yeah. ended like a, like an hour ago. I know. And, I, I just got home pretty, or not just got home, but got home very recently. So hop yes. right on the podcast grind. Yeah. So we prepared the day before and we are uh, ready to go. And yeah, so actually uh, once we get through with the AFC East, since Chris does have to go, cause he's got some basketball practice tonight. Touchdown Kirk will be rejoining the show for another, for the second time. Uh, he was here about 10 episodes ago and he, yeah, he, oh, we had a lot of fun talking about, I think it was off season moves or no, it was fantasy rookie recap, I believe, mm-hmm. or no, it was off season moves recap. Wait. I, I don't know. It was one of those two episodes where he came on. We're here. For, he's coming back for episode 26. So if you want to skip halfway through because you don't like Chris and you like Touchdown Kirk, then you can do that and you can listen to Touchdown Kirk. Definitely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, so we'll get started. So in the AFC East, we'll start out with the New England Patriots. This offense is very interesting, but we'll jump right into the player previews since i mean i guess chris doesn't have a ton of time i think we'll go right into the player previews we, we were finding out that it's kind of just a waste of time to discuss team general info and then the big questions because we often covered those in yeah. our player previews mm-hmm. so we'll talk about how this offense meshes and stuff but let's start out by previewing cam newton who like i said is on my fantasy team he's playing miami in week one so i'm really excited about that but newton he looks like he has the upper hand on jarrett stidham the job is apparently newton's actually it seems like right now Jared Siddham has dropped out of the competition. It's more Brian Hoyer as a competitor to Cam Newton. So right now it's definitely looking to be Newton. Well, yeah, for sure. If Brian Hoyer is your top competitor, they said it's Newton's to lose. Siddham's dealing with a hip injury, I believe right now. So yeah, Newton is, it's going to be exciting to watch him this year. Uh, I think that he, he, well, he's definitely going to be exciting. His rushing floor is really helpful. But if he takes over this team, he's like sort of a high upside risk guy, maybe a mid-tier QB2, but with QB1 upside. Yeah, definitely. I, I agree with you. I think that he does have a lot of potential going into next year. And he's a guy that's going really late in the draft. As Calvin saw, he was able to get him in the very late round. So he was, that's a good pick. And like you said, Calvin, he has tons of upside just because of what he did when, like three years ago, maybe when he was the MVP. Yeah. Exactly. So he, if he can return to the Newton of old, be a top fantasy quarterback for sure. Um, yeah. The running back situation here is very interesting. They've got Lamar Miller, Sony Michelle, J- Damian Harris, James White, and Rex Burkhead. And I think Lamar Miller doesn't really have the leg up on the job right now because he's injured. He'll probably be back for week one. Sony Michelle may not be back from week one for week one. I think Miller should, uh, I, I, for me, I think Miller should eventually take over this job and Michelle will be the number two with some touches. Uh, Harris is a good early week option, but I don't know if he's going to hold on to it for long. So, uh, and then James White, I think, is just a reliable pass catcher. So what do you think about this backfield, Chris? I think I would disagree with Lamar Miller taking it over. I think that Sony Michelle is younger. He's more potential. I'm just worried about Lamar Miller getting injured, especially after he had that ACL tear. I mean, I think that that's a tough injury to recover from. Tony Michelle has been really good at times, so we know he can be good. And I think it's just about consistency for him because he's always been very on and off. And then I think it'll be him and James White. So those are really the only two I'm looking to draft uh, in drafts just because I think James White will get some value in the passing game. And in, especially in PPR, he's a much better guy to get. And then Sonny Michelle, I think, has a good possibility for a rebound season. But I'm gener- generally avoiding Patriots running backs. Yeah, I think White... White's maybe the guy who might finish the highest out of all of these. He usually finishes as a very consistent yeah. back-end RB2 in half PPR. So I think, like, for me, it's it's he doesn't really have that much upside. He scores basically the same amount of points every week. I drafted him in the fantasy draft because I wanted some RB depth. Then I traded him, shipped him off to another team uh, right after. So I traded him away. And uh, so, yeah, I think James James White, I wasn't really excited about him for the, in terms of the lack of upside. So I don't know if there's really any value on putting a premium like on a guy like that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I agree with you. the Patriots don't really have any relevant tight ends. So we'll just head on right to wide receiver and their wide receiver one. Their only really relevant wide receiver is Julian Edelman who finished as I think wide receiver 10 last year in half PPR. He gets, I won't say a QB downgrade in Cam Newton, but he definitely had some chemistry with Tom Brady. I would expect his numbers to decline somewhat, but it's really he's really hard to predict. I'm not sure why people are dropping him out of the wide receiver two range immediately because of the strong class. I think he's more of a back end borderline wide receiver two. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, the wide receiver class is so deep this year, and Julian Edelman is facing some quarterback changes. He's just not a guy I'm looking to draft similar to that Patriots backfield. There's just a lot of question marks there. So I'm just avoiding him because I want to have guys that I know I can trust. I don't want to draft someone and then they totally bust and then I have to scramble to replace them. I just want to know what I'm getting. All right. Yeah. I mean, I think Edelman is a guy definitely where you know where you're getting a lot of consistent guys on this. Mm, No, no, you definitely don't because he has so many. Well, you don't know. You know, you're not getting anything worse than like wide receiver three. You don't know that because you don't know that. Oh, oh, on the Patriots. Wide receiver on the Patriots. Yeah, no, Edelman. You don't. Yeah, exactly. Think about how bad he would be if he was wide receiver three in a bad offense. You wouldn't be fantasy relevant. Well, no, no. I mean, wide receiver three in fantasy. He can't. He can't. Won't be anything but the wide receiver one. I think there's his worst case scenario is mid tier wide receiver three, but his best case is probably mid tier wide receiver two. Or, yeah. I mean, it's, it's I know. I'd say his worst case could be really bad, just because there's so really? many question marks. You don't know if Cam Newton will throw to him. We've never seen him play. Okay. That's cool. just quarterbacks are different people. I mean, I feel like Edelman. Who else are they going to throw to though? Who's even there? <laughs> I mean, that's that's a good question, but you never know who's going to show up. Okay, maybe, but I think Edelman's the clear number one guy throughout. I mean, the we saw guys like Brashad Perryman. I mean, we'd never even heard of Brashad Perryman, and then all of a sudden, Jameis Winston like throwing to him, you know? So okay, well, I think wasn't I'm trying to remember. I believe one of e- either one or both of Evans or Godwin was hurt when they were throwing to Perryman last year. So maybe, I mean, it's, I mean, the, he still loved to throw to him. Sure, but I mean, it's also. I believe – I know at least one of them was hurt. I don't know if both mm-hmm. of them were. Uh, okay. But I, I think Edelman's floor is safe. And if you're still – if you still haven't drafted yet, then you could be fine drafting him as a safe – if you get him as your wide receiver three, you should feel pretty happy, I would say. Mm-hmm. All right. So we'll move on to the Miami Dolphins, who at quarterback – their quarterback situation is interesting. I'm going to hold out judgment yet. I'm, I'm not going to judge – put out judgment yet, I mean. But – uh. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa are competing for the job. Looks like Fitzpatrick will start week one, but Tua, I think, should get in there at some point during the season. So if – I don't know if either – if Tua gets in there, he's pretty fantasy relevant, I would say. He's probably a back-end QB2 mm-hmm. for me with high upside, but he also has a lot of injury risk. Fitzpatrick, for me, is not draftable right now just because he could get benched. Yeah, I'm just the, avoiding I, that I don't QB think situation either, for now. I think, I think both are not draftable because – in my mind, I think it's going to play out where it's going to start out as Ryan Fitzpatrick, and then it's going to eventually move over to Tua Tagovailoa. Probably, I'd be surprised if it's before the middle of the season, but I wouldn't be shocked. So, okay, I don't know. That's how I describe it. I mean, I think that even if he does come, though, there's so much injury risk, so it's just not worth it. Yeah, in general, he's you can he's just avoid play. that situation for now. Like, there's better options. Yeah, at running back, but they've got some good options at running back though. Jordan Howard. In Matt Breida, and I think the, <clears throat> I think sorry, excuse me. I think these two guys are, I think Howard's the superior option. They're both around the RB three range. I would say Howard is more of a mid tier RB three, and then uh, I guess Breida, Breida would be more of a back end RB three for me. I've got Howard at th- RB thirty two and Breida at RB thirty six. So I think just because Breida has more injury risk and hasn't really been in the starting role for as long as Howard, I think Howard gets the edge for me, and. But I, and I think Jordan Howard also has a lot of upside to maybe if he completely takes over this role, he could push RB2, push the, into the mm-hmm. RB2 range. Yeah, that's why I drafted him onto my fantasy team. I mean, I really like his potential next year. I think that if he fully takes over that number one role, I'm excited to see what he can do because we've never really seen a RB1 in Miami like for an entire season. Uh, we, or we didn't see that last year. I mean, we have seen it yeah. in history, but uh, not last year. So I don't know how that'll work out, that'll work out especially – with, they have such a good coach, Brian Flores, that I feel like he'll, he's got to be able to do something with running backs. You know, I mean, they're all, they did so much better than people thought they would last year. So he's a guy that has a lot of high upside. I mean, a very, the floor is a bit of a problem, but if you're getting him on your bench, that's good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I, I can't say I love Howard's floor. He has the potential to drop a little while. I just don't think he will. Like, Chris, you got him on your fantasy team. I'm mm-hmm. happy. I like that pick. I like it a lot. Yeah, I, I, I Breed is the guy I'm avoiding from the backfield, but I would get Howard in some drafts if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really avoiding either. I think I just would rather have Sanders. Sanders? I mean, uh, not Miles Sanders. Uh, Jordan Howard. <laughs> thinking about my thinking, team, he's like, thinking, Chris, was, Chris was wishing he had Miles Sanders instead of me. Well, not really, because it could mean that my team would be trash. What? 
Why would your team be trash if you have Miles Sanders? If you're, well, no, it wouldn't be trash. But if you like swapped Aaron Jones and Miles Sanders, I'd be like, ugh. Okay, well, that's not that bad of a swap because I literally have Jones at 10 and Sanders at 11. Or no, Jones at 9 and Sanders at 10. Exactly. So like okay okay you wouldn't be like oh you would be you would be like my team is ruined. Okay, it's- I have Aaron Jones. At, I have Aaron Jones at either six or seven. So. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah, I know, I know you like Aaron Jones. It's he's still an RB one, of course, but I wouldn't hate having Sanders on your team if I were you. And I'll just hold, just hold on to him. Fine, hold on to him and win a fantasy championship. See, the thing with my team is that I have no depth at all. Like if uh-huh. one of if if Sanders gets hurt. I'm flexing AP or oh, Michael goodness. Pittman. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's how little depth I have right now. And then, yeah, it's just mm-hmm. Tannehill and Newton. I'm playing on a week to week basis and I'm trying to add Jimmy G for some sort of semblance of depth around there mm-hmm. as a mid tier QB two, who's not going to do anything. Yeah. And wide receiver, the Dolphins have Devontae Parker and Preston Williams. I think that this is a pretty interesting wide receiver room. Devontae Parker, I managed to get on my team. Calvin and I are both very high on him. I mean, oh, yeah. I got him so late for where Calvin and I have him ranked. So happy to see him there. I saw him. I was picking, and I kind of forgot about him a little. And it was like he was maybe like five or six wide receivers down, so no one had really considered cons- like five or, se- five or six wide receivers down on most people's boards, right, for who they were drafting. And I thought, hey, this is a good time to snag him before the next round. And I got him, and I'm super happy with that. But the only thing that makes me a little worried is Preston Williams, who a lot of people have been talking very well of. But he's still the wide receiver, too, there. And Ryan Fitzpatrick showed that he loves to throw to Parker, and Parker did really well under Coach Brian Flores. Funny how Chris just went to school today, and he just said, talking really well of. I guess you didn't have English today, did you, Chris? Yeah, no, I didn't have English today. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm really high on Parker, too. He's a borderline top 15 guy for me. I actually bumped him down a couple of spots, but I still really love him next year. Don't get me wrong. Preston Williams is also a really nice sleeper in the draft. I think they can both produce, and that's why I have Williams at around wide receiver 45. He's got some upside. He could push wide receiver three production, but his floor is pretty safe as a draftable player, I would say. Yeah, definitely. And then their tight end has, I would say, a nice floor, too. They got him in, more involved last year, Mike Gesicki. Gesicki's, I mean, I was reading about him a lot. I mean, I'm reading about him more than usual. I already really liked him next year. But I think he, he was getting a lot more targets near the end of last year, getting in some more production, really proving himself as a really talented player. He was able to, he's more of those tight ends who's like, he's like a guy who can, He's more of a deep ball kind of tight end. Oh, did you go to Did you go to English? He's more of the. Or wait, what did you say? You said something that was really bad grammar. <laughs> I was gonna correct you, and then I forgot what you said. Anyway, wow. well, who cares? Sorry for interrupting. So Gesicki's more of like a. I won't say a deep ball tight end. He's more of like a. Possession. Well. Uh, no, really. I'd say that he's he's a short to intermediate catch and run guy. Yeah, I guess so. But he he has a lot of uh, he's a seam stretcher. He's like a mm-hmm. seam stretcher yeah. who he catches some passes. Doesn't he didn't catch that many passes last year to, compared to his targets, but his target numbers were high, which was good. Yeah. He had bad quarterback play and he has a lot of those seam stretching catches where those are hard to catch. Mm-hmm. Like when you, when you're going down, running downfield and you get those contested catches, like I guess he's more of an intermediate kind of tight end. That, that, that's yeah, the, Travis it's hard Kelsey to describe. That's the best at that in the entire league. I mean, watching yeah. Travis Kelsey, I mean, he is just, incredible at running right up that seam and grabs every ball. I mean, that's how we get so many of his touchdowns. Yeah. I guess Gesicki's best described as an intermediate seam seam stretcher. Like, I think he'll be really good. I think he'll be solid next year. He's another guy who's on my team. I actually traded for him. I was getting a downgrade at tight end, but I'm really happy with him. He's a borderline top 10 for me. So he's a tight end one. That's good if you're waiting on tight end. Then I've got just a solid guy, a guy with a solid floor in Blake Jarwin, who's behind him, who should probably finish around tight end 18 this Mm -hmm. year. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the Adam Gase coach, New York Jets. We've never really analyzed this whole team all at once, and there's only five players we're going to talk about today, and I think one of them is actually, I think, should be undrafted for the Jets. So this is Uh very bad team, very badly coached, but their best fantasy player is a mid-to-back-end RB2 in Le'Veon Bell. Who yeah, I mean, their quarterback, Sam Darnold, didn't even make it. Like, that's just... 
bad. Yeah, we're not talking about the quarterback situation over there. Le'Veon yeah, Bell, his the Jets' offensive line was really bad, not helping him there with his patient running style. Wasn't getting very many touches. And Adam Gase wants to get more running backs involved, like Lamichael Piran. He's going to cut down on Bell's carries. So oh, Bell goodness. is a mid-tier RB two option. His floor is safe as a back end RB two because he's Le'Veon Bell, but. When I say that, it kind of feels like saying he's Aaron Rodgers as my justification for putting Aaron Rodgers yeah. super high. Like, the, the, the justification he's Aaron Rodgers for ranking Aaron Rodgers as a QB1 is, like, way, way off, basically. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah. he's he is Le'Veon Bell, and he's still talented, and we saw him still getting decent numbers. So you can have him as a safe floor mid-tier RB2, like, not really – I guess he's pretty consistent. I, I can if I I can find a positive, it's that he's pretty. No, consistent. he is so inconsistent. Well, I mean, or actually, oh, yeah. he wasn't that inconsistent because oh. he had a good amount of carries last year. But if his carries get dwindled and random carries start going to P Ryan, and that is when it he gets in trouble. Okay, but I mean, I don't think I think his carry floor is still safe. Adam Gase will give it to him less. But not that much less. There's no way Michael P. Ryan gets into a 50-50 split with Le'Veon Bell. I think Le'Veon Bell would just quit football if that happened. <laughs> yeah. Knowing right. his past history. Yeah, I mean, wait. Oh, Drew, knowing his past history. Yes. All right. Well, let's move on to wide receiver. This is a relevant position for the Jets. They've got three end-of-draft guys on that team, and I'll rank them in the order that I have them ranked. Jamison Crowder, who's top 45, top 50, borderline guy. Brashad Perriman, around number 60, and Denzel Mims is around number 65 for me in terms of wide receivers. Uh, Crowder is the best for me just because he plays out of the slot. Darnold likes to throw to that slot guy, and they developed a good rapport together last year. And then Perriman is just more proven than Mims, so that's why I have him about five spots higher. Yeah, uh, I yeah I agree with you about Perriman being more proven than Mims. Same thing with Jamison Crowder, though. Jamison Crowder is a good veteran, and I think he was Sam Darnold's favorite target, but I think that that could switch over to Perriman maybe. That's why out of all of these guys that I would be excited to draft, it's got to be Perriman just because he have some, has some upside, I think. Yeah, I guess he does probably have the most upside. I won't say Crowder has a ton. Um, but, yeah, we'll go to their tight end also, who's Chris Herndon the fourth, who we put on. I shouldn't have put on him on here because I don't think he should be drafted. He never has proven that he yeah, can be successful either. in that starting role outside of a few games. I know Ryan Griffin is hurt right now, but – like, he's just not even that good. There's just mm-hmm. nothing really I could say. Bad quarterback play. I know Darnold likes to throw to the tight end. But, I mean, Griffin should be coming back this year. It's not like he's sitting out the whole year either. And now Darnold's got more targets to throw to, too. So, i just not really trusting Herndon. Just avoid him. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. if I could call out ESPN's projections for a moment, they have Chris Herndon ranked ahead of Austin Hooper. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, I know, right? Especially with the trouble. Chris Herndon has been in so much trouble, too. Like, who says he won't repeat that? Yeah, maybe he will get suspended or something like that. Mm -hmm. Maybe hold out until they get a better coach. (laughs) Well, uh, yeah, we're moving fast here, but we will go to the Buffalo Bills. And this team's interesting for fantasy. They're pretty run-heavy with Josh Allen at the quarterbacking reins, but they added a good receiver for Allen and Stephon Diggs to go with John Brown. So, but we'll start with Allen, and I have him as QB8 because his rushing floor is there. He's not the best passer, but we saw him put up back-end QB1 numbers uh, last year. Actually, I think he's a, he was around, like, QB8 probably. So mm-hmm. I think he should put that up again this year just because his rushing floor is pretty safe. Yeah, I, lo- I love Josh Allen because I think some people sleep on his rushing ability just because he has such a big arm. But he's really good in the rushing game. And then he does a great job of finding the open receivers uh, in an offense. The problem is sometimes he's a little consistent about hitting those open guys. But uh, we saw much improvement in that field last year. So I expect that to continue and to expect and expect that improvement to progress as the year goes on. So I definitely like Josh Allen next year. Yeah, I'd say I definitely like him too. He's in that tier with Drew Brees, who's number seven for me. And getting adding Stephon Diggs should definitely help him. We'll talk about Diggs for mm-hmm, fantasy in a definitely. moment. But we'll go to their running back core, which is Devin Singletary and Zach Moss. And Devin Singletary for me is about a mid-tier RB3 because 
Allen has run for about 17, I think 17 touchdowns in the last two seasons. Singletary last year ran for about like two or three. Zach Moss is now coming in too to take even more touches. Singletary, he's going to get consistent yards. He might put up a few RB2 games. He probably will, in fact. But Moss is going to take some touchdowns. He'll take a few touches, although not that many. So Singletary's ceiling is just so low. I can't really buy a player like that. Yeah, I'm just a little bit worried about it. I mean, we've never seen him have have a great yards per carry or any of that. And like you said, Zach Moss coming in. He's going to take some carries away. I mean, I like him if he keeps his role, but with a rookie RB who they willfully drafted pretty early, I mean, they're obviously not the most happy with Singletary, so something could be changing there. So watch out for Zach Moss. I still don't actually like Zach Moss at all. I don't even know if he cut my top 60. I think he might be in there, but. Well, don't I mean, like him at all. For me, I, I don't know if I'll say that they're not confident in Singletary. It's just that Bills coach Sean McDermott wanted another guy there to run with Singletary. He likes doing running back by committee. Moss isn't really – and I don't think he's going to be NFL ready to take a big workload during his first year. So his Singletary's yards are pretty safe, but his touchdowns, not so much. And uh, we'll go to their wide receivers. I guess at tight end they have Dawson Knox, who's not very relevant. He should just go undrafted. So we'll just talk about their wide receivers before we move to the AFC North with touchdown Kirk. So their wide receiver one is Stefan Diggs over there. And he's, for me, especially with this deep wide receiver class, which I keep repeating, he's a mid-tier wide receiver three. He's more of a deep threat. I like Josh Allen's uh, potential to maybe throw to him deep a lot. Hopefully Josh Allen gets more accurate with Diggs able, there to, able uh-huh. to reel targets in but he hasn't been that accurate and so I don't know I I don't think John Brown and Cole Beasley are going away either they're other two wide receivers so Diggs may not get the most targets especially going deep I think he's like a borderline top 30 guy for me he just he's got some upside but not like a ton like this isn't a huge fantasy guy for me just because he's the only he's not even the only receiver in the offense either yeah I mean yeah, I just I'm I've never been on him. I just never really feel like he. I th- I think he does have potential, but I just don't know if it's going to turn out. Just because there is another guy there. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's John Brown is the other guy. One of the other guys. He was a top. He was I think a wide receiver twenty last year. I dropped him this year to about wide receiver thirty five with the addition of Diggs. But he's emerged as a nice a nice little piece for Josh Allen and he could throw to him in the red zone, throw to him. I guess he's a deep ball guy. Isn't he kind of, I think he emerged. Yeah. A good uh-huh. deep ball guy. Yeah, he is. So, um, yeah, I think or I'm actually, really... but I think that he he'll play less of that role with Stefan Diggs. Yeah, that's true. And that's going to contribute to his decline, but I think he's going, he's a solid player, solid back end wide receiver three, a good bench option. And I've drafted him in many mock drafts. I did not draft him in the actual draft, but uh, I still like him. Silence from Chris. Wait, what? Uh, hello. Wait, what? You said you said I still like, and then you just cut out. Oh, I said I still like him. Oh, geez, I didn't even. I didn't even hear you. I didn't. For some reason, the him cut out, so I thought you were still talking. <laughs> yeah, All I right. thought Chris was just like were your... the 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 response time was getting slightly longer each time, and then like one time it's just silence, and I'm like, did Chris just leave early and just decide <laughs> to head out? Yeah. I don't know. I was saying that John Brown, I, I said I still like him as like a bench depth option. Yeah, I, I, I like him too. I'm a little bit more bullish on him than you are just because I think that Stefan Diggs is going to really take over his role. And I think that Diggs is going to be the clear number one that Josh Allen with all that arm strength is going to look to throw to, especially as he improves his deep ball accuracy, like I said earlier. But yeah, I think that over there, I actually, I like both the wide receivers in, in, uh, Buff- in Buffalo. Yeah, I mean, I would say I do too. I think Diggs might go a little overvalued in drafts, but I really like Brown next year. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, Chris, thanks for coming at least for a half of it. I know you're very busy today. And uh, yeah, crazy was- day. I mean, I've got I've got basketball work to do. I've got school work to do. I had school today. I have basketball practice. I have podcasts. So it's quite a crazy day. But uh, I'm glad that Touchdown Kirk gets to come on and be a little bit of a guest, I guess, for today. Yeah, a guest 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 guest. Guess do you guess for the AFC North? We'll be talking about the Ravens, the Bengals, or in order the Ravens, the Steelers, the Browns, and the Bengals. That's coming up, and Chris is about to head out, so uh, mm-hmm. we are gonna uh, have Touchdown Kirk on. And the second half of the episode is just basically a two-parter in one, but the second half of the episode is coming right up.
All right, so I'm back. Chris is gone, and we are now here with second and goal fantasy website writer Touchdown Kirk to discuss the AFC North uh, for fantasy in 2020. Uh, Kirk, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, I've been here once before, and I'm happy to be here again. It's going to be nice to talk about the AFC North. I think they're a really interesting division. Yeah, I mean, Chris was obviously unable. We Like you heard before, Chris is unable to do this part because he's been very busy today, but Touchdown Kirk is coming on the show again. So, this, yeah, again, this is his second appearance on the show, and we'll be discussing the AFC North for today. And so we got four teams to talk about, and we'll start off with probably the most high-powered offense in this division. It's the Baltimore Ravens, and they're led by, obviously, a great quarterback in Lamar Jackson. Jackson doesn't have the most weapons around him, but he's just so dynamic and obviously the best quarterback in the league. So uh, I think uh, Kirk, he should obviously go as the number one quarterback, I think. He, he's there for me. I think he's a late third-round pick overall, but I want, I want to hear your thoughts on Lamar Jackson this year. Yeah, he's definitely a very dynamic player, even though he doesn't have any real weapons besides maybe Mark Andrews. And now he has two RBs, um, two very good RBs instead of just one. So that'll, I think, help shake up the offense and make them even more unpredictable than they were last year. So he's not going to regress this year at all. Yeah, I mean, the Ravens obviously added J.K. Dobbins in the draft after uh, to compliment Mark Ingram. Late third round pick overall for me. Very dynamic, obviously QB1. I think Patrick Mahomes is in his tier, but he Jackson is the pretty clear QB1 for me. Um, he does tend to go overvalued in drafts a lot for people who overvalue quarterbacks, though, so I would uh, avoid him, in uh, I would mostly avoid him unless he drops to like the late third round. So we'll go to running back also. And uh, like we talked about, Mark Ingram and J.K. Dobbins are the running backs there. I think for me, Ingram is more of a, uh, I want to say, I'll say, back-end RB2. He doesn't have a huge upside with Dobbins there. Dobbins, I don't think, I think Ingram will get the majority of the running back workload, but with Lamar Jackson there, Ingram can't really get a huge amount of carries. His carries will go down, but since he was RB8 last year, he should still be pretty good next year. I just think, I don't think Dobbins will make much of a difference in his rookie year. I think he'll be more of a borderline top 40 guy. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Lamar Jackson is obviously going to give the offense a lot of opportunities. He's just such a dynamic player, and then Mark Ingram, yeah, he, he did well last year. He's a little bit touchdown dependent and um and, and a pretty and a very talented player and a and he's pretty experienced by now, so he'll still probably be able to be a decent RB, maybe like you said, back end RB two, and then JK Dobbins, not much of a factor. He might be able to get some carries, but he's not a starter at this moment. Yeah, I mean he I would assume Ingram's going to get the majority of the carries just because Dobbins is still a rookie and we haven't really seen much from him just yet. So at wide receiver, they've only really got one relevant guy. And I don't, I think Marquise Brown, who's their wide receiver one is a popular breakout pick, but I'm going to say, I don't share that pick mainly because we saw last year, he was very boomer bust. He's a very talented player. There's no question, but with the Ravens running the ball, like thir- I believe 36.1 times per game, that was by far the most in the league, like four more than the next highest team. Marquise Brown isn't, just doesn't have a path to too many targets. Miles Boykin will obviously take some. Mark Andrews is really the top target in the offense. So I would say he's, for Brown for me, is more of a borderline top 45 wide receiver for me. Yeah, he's not a starter now. He's a potential bargaining chip, maybe in trades for people who think he's a breakout pick, but he just does I don't feel I feel like he's too risky of a pick. We don't entirely know what's going to happen and and it's the likelihood is going to be that he's not going to do that well this year. Yeah, I mean, I think uh it's I'm not really sure. I guess people expect him his targets to go up, but we haven't really seen a situation like this in an offense. I mean, obviously, receivers tend to break out in their second or third year in the league if they're good, but we haven't really seen a situation like the Ravens where they just run the ball so much. So, um we care, we have to take that into account for sure. Um, excuse me, uh, we'll move on to tight end with uh, Mark Andrews, who he's a very talented tight end, gets a lot of targets from Lamar Jackson. We saw him break out in a big way last year, sort of overtake Hayden Hurst. He's overtaken him, last, uh, especially last year. And uh, Andrews was producing very well. I think he should put up similar numbers this year and be, he's a top three tight end. He's my tight end three, probably a tier below Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, but still a very great player. Yeah, very much a top-tier tight end with, with of course, a great quarterback throwing to him. And with there not being a lot of other receivers to impede him, he'll be a consistent target. And he's going he's gonna to catch a lot of passes, and he's going gonna to rack up a lot of yards, particularly in, P, in PPR will make him even better. 
Yeah, I mean, and uh, yeah, I, I guess I won't. I don't know if PPR would necessarily make him higher to be drafted, just because he does get a lot of those more intermediate to deeper catches too. But like, he's just a good player in all formats. I would say late fourth rounder um, in terms of overall rankings. Yeah, he's pretty well rounded. All right, so we will go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, and their quarterback is Ben Roethlisberger, who's I believe 39 years old right now, still aging. He was the number three quarterback in 2018, but he doesn't have a ton of weapons. Now Antonio Brown's gone. Um, obviously, he came off that injury last year. I'm expecting Roethlisberger to be in the mid-tier QB2 range. Doesn't He doesn't really have a ton of upside, but if he could return to his old form, maybe he could sort of push QB1 range. Yeah, I can definitely see him fade a little bit, but we can't forget that he's also been playing very well until last year. And even with the lack of weapons, I think he could make something happen. So I, th- I think he's a decent sleeper pick. Definitely take him as a backup and see what happens because he, he definitely has the potential to break, um, to kind of bounce back from last year. And even if he doesn't, he'll still probably be pretty good. Yeah, I, I drafted Roethlisberger last year in our fantasy league. Touchdown Kirk is also in the fantasy league uh, that Chris and I were discussing earlier. But, I mean, I drafted Roethlisberger as my starter, waiting on quarterbacks, expecting him to do better than people thought. Then he got hurt, so... I'm not really sure about his outlook this year. I haven't really been drafting him in a lot of drafts, but I think he's best valued as a mid-tier QB two. Um, so we'll move to running back now. And uh, James Conner is the number one running back over there in Pittsburgh. For me, he's a back-end, borderline top 20 uh, RB2 kind of guy. So he should put up better numbers than that, except he just gets injured every week. It seems like he's fighting multiple different injuries. He's pretty fragile. He misses some game. He's missed some games. He missed some game time last year. And uh, we could see Anthony McFarlane, Benny Snell, and Jalen Samuels, Jalen Samuels especially in the passing game, get some work. So Connor is. Uh, we'll see what happens this year with him. But the injury risk is it makes it injury risk makes it tough to consider him anything higher than a borderline top twenty running back. Yeah, this backfield's kind of a mess. We kind of saw last year though that none of those other three guys that you mentioned are really very dynamic playmakers. But um, they're they're not going to take the starting job from him, but they also could probably cut into his touches. He, I think he'll stay about the same, maybe get a little bit better now that Roethlisberger's back, but I, I wouldn't trust him and rely on him. Just make sure you have depth if you take him as your RB2 or as your flex. Yeah, he's, he's a good guy to maybe pair with a depth option who's going to um, not get hurt. The But the guys behind him, though, I feel like there's nobody behind him who deserves to be drafted. Anthony McFarland was their fourth-round pick out of Maryland. We'll see how he does next year. Benny Snell and Jalen Samuels got some work last year when Connor was hurt, like you said. But uh, I think Samuels was more the passing game guy. Snell was more of a runner. This is just going to be an ugly split. If Connor comes out, it's still going to be an ugly split. That's how many running backs they have over there. I can't really be confident in any of those guys, so I think they should all go undrafted. Yeah, they're just kind of... It's just totally messy. Connor's the only one who deserves to be drafted, and he he, he did have a very good year um, uh, before last year, but I don't think he's going to be able to replicate those numbers. Yeah, I mean, wait, who did you say had a good year? Sorry. Uh, J- James Connor. Well, yeah, he did, but I mean, yeah, he, yeah, I guess he was he was in the RB one discussion before, last year, um, and yeah, I guess he he. Well, His I mean, the year before last year. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, in the, at the beginning of last year, he was in the RB1 discussion. Yeah. So we'll go to wide receivers now. And I think James Washington, their wide receiver three, we have on this list, but we're going to leave him off because I think he shouldn't be drafted next year. Uh, but Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson are their two wideouts. And this is where I, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is one of the biggest bus coming up next year he wasn't good last year and people attribute that to just having mason rudolph and devlin hodges you can't hit juju's production was so bad last year you can't just attribute his all of his bad games to just having a quarterback who's not 39 and more a bit more talented than well obviously more talented but 39 rather than having rudolph and hodges that definitely hurt him the quarterback situation but he hasn't proven he can be a wide receiver one in an offense. He mainly succeeded with Antonio Brown over there. And defenses are going to be able to put a lot of pressure on him, especially with Brown having been gone now. So Juju is not even a wide receiver two for me. A high-end wide receiver three, maybe borderline wide receiver two. I don't know. I, I, just, I just don't hate him next year because I feel like Roethlisberger has potential to make a great connection. And also, 
Uh, if you, he has a little bit more support now if Deontay Johnson can kind of come out a little bit more. So I'm still thinking that, like, I'm still thinking that he can have wide receiver two production, but definitely don't trust him as a wide receiver one and, and, and make sure that you have decent depth just in case uh, he ends up having another bad year. Yeah, I just, I'm not really, I've seen him ranked as a top, back end wide receiver one in many places. So I yeah, can't really. Yeah, that, that's an overrating for sure. He's wide receiver two. Yeah. So also at the tight end, we got one more pass catcher we're going to talk about, and it's Eric Ebron. Vance McDonald, his backup, was one of my favorite sleepers last year, but with Roethlisberger getting hurt and with uh, him just not really producing, he didn't do much last year. I think Ebron could be a mid-tier tight end two next year because he's a good player to target in the red zone. He'll score a few touchdowns. I think he'll get some yards as well just because they don't have a ton of targets in that Steelers offense. So I think Ebron should be a solid backup, maybe a bit risky of a week-to-week play, but he has, a potential to, he has the potential to get a couple of two touchdown games and play really nice for a couple games. Yeah, I mean, we saw like pretty recently, like, um, and I think it was in his first year with the Colts when he broke out and had the most touchdowns of any tight end that year. Then last year he progressed really sharply, so – he, he could. Be, I'm thinking that he that he might bounce back. Although obviously this is a very different situation. The offense is kind of very muddled. But he's um he's a talented player. But I wouldn't trust him as a starter as of now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not definitely not as a starter. He scored 13 touchdowns that year with the Colts. That was the, again the most of any tight end. So um obviously he saw some regression last year. But he's still a good red zone target. Uh, excuse me. So we will go to the uh, Cleveland Browns who have. I would say that they were really hyped up last year, overhyped, because the Browns did not perform up to their expectations. But with a new coach in Kevin Stefanski, it's fair to say that they might see some positive regression coming their way. Um, the quarterback situation is a bit iffy, but I think Baker Mayfield can deliver, especially with the weapons around him. So he's a nice post-hype candidate for maybe a mid-tier QB, too. Yeah, he's definitely shown flashes of promise. I wouldn't, I don't love him as a backup because I feel like he's – He's too inconsistent. I would prefer to have somebody a little bit higher tier, just just somebody who could kind of fill in a decent amount of points while while someone like Russell Wilson's out, and then the rest of your guys can perform, and then there's always the chance that he'll score like five points and then mess up your week. So, I mean, maybe maybe if you don't have any other option, put him as a backup. But but I just don't I don't I don't think he's a good fit for most fantasy rosters this year, even with even with all the weapons he has. But he definitely has a lot of potential. He's shown it. I mean, yeah, the weapons alone make him draftable. And the new coach and Kevin Stefanski should help him. But at running back, I think that another person who will be helped by the coaching change is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb was like borderline top 15 guy when Kareem Hunt came back to the team last year after his suspension. Chubb lost a lot of work in the passing game and in the red, and in the red zone. I think Chubb should get a little bit better than that this year just because Stefanski is a very run-heavy coach and he'll give the ball to Chubb a lot in the running game. And so I think Kareem Hunt also, just for his work in the passing game alone, is a solid RB3. But I think Chubb should be the main guy. Hunt will get the work in the passing game and steal some touchdowns. But Chubb should be better than a borderline top 15. He's my RB12 this year. I don't really think Kareem Hunt's going to score enough points to to be a viable start most most weeks. And he's kind of like one of those guys that really isn't quite good good enough to start most weeks, like Tariq Cohen, who also bites into the – who kind of bites into the share of of the other guys who have fantasy potential so that that, that kind of bothers me but um but Nick Chubb borderline RB1 I would say yeah I mean that's basically where I'd have him too so at wide receiver we got three pass catchers to talk about two at wide receiver and one at tight end the first one is Odell Beckham Jr. who I think he'll see he'll, he will definitely get better after last year the play calling with Freddie Kitchens left Beckham waving for the ball many times and he didn't get it it wasn't really his fault that he wasn't playing well. He's one of, the, one of the most talented receivers in this league. I would say he's a borderline top 15 guy. I just, because I think a lot of more of these guys are still proven. There's a chance Beckham doesn't fully bounce back, especially with other pass catchers there, such as Jarvis Landry and Austin Hooper and Kareem Hunt in the passing game to take targets away. So Beckham is a high upside guy, borderline top 15 for me. Yeah, he's played very well on on several weak offenses like the Giants and uh and, and now the Browns but and he he I think he's a wide receiver too as of now I, I'm not totally sure about him bouncing back but if he can do the same thing that he did with the Giants then he's a pretty clear wide receiver one so 
de- so definitely draft him as a wide receiver too, and and see if he if he can end up getting back to his old levels. Yeah, and then Jarvis Landry, the other wide receiver over there, I have just outside of the wide receiver two range, mainly because the wide receivers are so deep this year. Um, he should see some regression from wide receiver 12 last year because Beckham will get more targets. Hooper will get some targets. And of course, Hunt gets his targets, obviously. So Landry is a very consistent guy and just outside of the wide receiver two range for me. Yeah, I would call him a very, very good flex. And, and he's particularly good in PPR just because he consistently gets a lot of targets and he can usually rack up enough yards to make him a good fantasy pick for flex or maybe even a wide receiver two if he doesn't regress too much from last year. Yeah, so, I mean, I think he's just a solid pick. He doesn't have a huge ceiling. Wide receiver 12 last year was about as high as he can get, and I don't think he'll get that high this year, um, mainly because of Austin Hooper, their new tight end, who is, a, would say, a borderline tight end one. I have him at tight end 12. He's gonna, he was, really broke out last year in Atlanta. He proved that if he gets thrown to a lot, he can really produce. He was tight end one for a while that year. Um, just because, again, Beckham, Hunt, Landry are there, he won't get the biggest amount of targets, which is why I have him as a borderline tight end one. But again, I do like him next year, and I wouldn't hate it if you got him as your tight end one. Yeah, Hooper's a, a very talented player on an offense that definitely has the potential to light up this year. Um, he's not going to be as good as he was with the Falcons because the Falcons had a very good offense, maybe even one of the best in the league. And um, he's obviously a good player. So, yeah, tight end one. And um, he he has the potential to be a high-end tight end one. But for now, draft him as though he's a low-end one. Yeah, I mean, he does have that potential. We'll see. Maybe he just takes over the offense. It's definitely a possibility. He's talented enough to do it. And he's a good security blanket for Baker Mayfield. So we'll go to the last team we're going to talk about today, the Cincinnati Bengals, who have a quarter, who has a quarterback who I think is going very undervalued in drafts. It's Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, obviously a rookie coming out of LSU. He was very great in college, like all rookie QBs are. But Burrow just has the – I think he has the weapons around him to succeed. A lot of people have him going undrafted or close to it. I think that with Joe Mixon, A.J. Green, and Tyler Boyd over there to support him – Burrow should do really well in his first year, uh, his rookie year. I have him as QB 14 or 15, I think 14. He has QB 1 upside, and I think he's going very undervalued in drafts this year. Yeah, he, he's a very talented player. Um, he played really well at LSU and led them to a championship last year, and, and now he has really great weapons around him like he did in Justin Jefferson back in college. So I think he's he's in a similar situation. He just doesn't have the same defensive backing that he did at LSU, but I don't think that's too much of a factor. So yeah, I th- I think he'll definitely do fine in his first year. Maybe not a, maybe not quite a QB one yet, but uh, definitely keep him on your radar and try and try to grab him if no one else figures out that he's a great pick. Yeah, which so far people really have not been figuring that out. At running back, like we said, Joe Burrow has Joe Mixon who really sort of struggled last year, but then turned it on in the second half of the season. He was like a top five RB during that stretch. I think he's underrated in the passing game. He wasn't really getting thrown to that much with Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley over there in the passing game. I think that he should get more targets now with Burrow, who's a better quarterback and will make better decisions because Mixon should be getting some targets in the flat. Uh, and I think overall he's a solid RB1, maybe more to the back end of the RB1 cl- class, but that's just because there are a lot of elite guys that I maybe just like slightly better. Yeah, he's going to get a great deal of carries, and um, one thing I didn't really like about the Bengals' draft is that they didn't make enough of an effort to improve their offensive line, but Mixon has, has shown, obviously, that he can play at pretty much with, with pretty much any offensive line, similar to what David Johnson used to do. And he's he's just um, he's a very good player, and and maybe if they draft a good offensive lineman next year, then he'll be an even better player. Yeah, I think he yeah he's proven he can run behind like a five rocks as an offensive line, basically like just five nothings. He's proven he can run behind anything. At wide receiver, uh, there are two guys at wide receiver that are fantasy relevant. There are Tyler Boyd and A.J. Green, and I think Boyd will be the better player. He was a mid-tier wide receiver, too, last year in a wide receiver one role where he did excel, even with bad quarterback play. Joe Burrow should improve. It was definitely an upgrade at quarterback. A.J. Green should definitely take some pressure off him, and I have Green at around wide receiver 30 and Boyd at around wide receiver 19. Green's down there just because of his injury risk, and uh, he hasn't really been on the field for a while, I think. He's a very risky player, and there are a lot of safer options that you can take, especially this year in this wide receiver class. 
Yeah, in the draft that we did, I did I did take Green over Boyd, but um, but the main reason was that I already had a lot of receiver depth. So, um, Boyd's definitely the better player if you're looking for a flex. So, um, so yeah, I would I would advise taking him. But I do think AJ Green has a couple of interesting things about him that he he's never really played with a good quarterback, and he still put up wide receiver one numbers before he got hurt. So if Burrow breaks out, then I think Green breaks out too, and also. He's just a very good player when he's not hurt. He's consistently put up, like, incredible numbers, again, with a very bad quarterback. And except for his injuries, he's been a very viable player. So keep keep your eye on him and maybe grab him as a potential bench guy or, or maybe a flex if you can get good depth. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say more of a wide receiver three. I wouldn't love him as my flex. But if he gets stays healthy the whole season, I would love him as my flex. All right, well... That is it for the show. Time for the, as Chris calls them, the credits, which they're not really credits. They're just telling you where to find stuff. So basically, we will get started. And if you want to, we talked a lot about rankings on the show. If you want to check out our rankings and articles, including a few by Touchdown Kirk, who's our website writer, you can go to sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. That's sites.google.com slash view slash second and goal fantasy. If you have questions about fantasy football, email us at secondandgoalfantasy at gmail.com. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts if you like our show. Download app on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Basically, wherever you listen, we are. Um, so make sure to download everywhere. Follow us on Twitter for updates about our show at SGFPod. Um, so, and fo- you can follow Chris and I on Twitter at Calvin underscore SGF and at Chris underscore SGF. And uh, so if you also, if you want to check out our live sports talk shows on Sportscaster, Chris and I host a show called Second and Goal Sports Talk. We also do other solo and uh special live streams during the week. So you can find us at sportscaster.com slash SG Sports Talk or download the Sportscaster app the way I spelled it. Follow us at SG Sports Talk. We stream three times a week at least, usually more. And uh, it's a lot of fun. We'll be, probably be doing NFL season predictions over the next day or two. So you should go check that out. You can follow our live show on Twitter at SG Sports Talk. And if you have questions for our live show, you can email us at talk at gmail.com. Also, you can check out Chris and I's articles on Tecmo Hole, T-E-C-M-O-H-O-L-E, Tecmo Hole. You can go to www.tecmohole.com slash author slash Calvin K to find my articles. And to find Chris, you can go to www.tecmohole.com slash author, slash Christopher. Um, that's about it. I guess I always think I'm forgetting something, but I think that is about it. Um, thank you, Touchdown Kirk, for joining the show. Um, and thanks, Chris. Obviously, he's not here. He's not listening. I don't know if he's listening. But thank you, Chris, for coming on the first half, even though you were very busy today. Uh, I had a lot of fun. This was a shorter episode than usual. But next week, we will get in, be getting back to our final divisional previews. Before we get into our week one uh, fantasy preview, and we're going to be doing week, weekly fantasy previews throughout the whole season. So next week, we're going to be doing with Chris the AFC South and AFC West for fa- preview for fantasy. So make sure to tune into that. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll see you next time.